Fake, fake, fakeity fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienna. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News, and then talk about being arrested in Montreal with my friend Vienna. God, I wish I were getting arrested in Montreal right now. How are you, Vienna? <laughs> it's been snowing for like six hours. Yes. Like, it's on the ground now. Yes, I can see it accumulating right now as I speak, which is uh, weird for mid-April. But we we could get right into it. Uh, I will state right up front, it wasn't we who got arrested. I guess the, the opening was a bit ambiguous, but uh, everyone should know by now that most of Rebel got arrested. And we will talk about that very soon. But first, the Imperial Roundup. Hello, my Rebels. Hello, my Rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. This is what happened on The Rebel from April 12th to April 16th. Ezra is upset about a tweet by a Canadian senator, which he characterizes as being written in the Chinese language. Look at this tweet. It's written in the Chinese language even though it's by a Canadian senator. The tweet is about respecting both Canada's and China's judicial systems, but Ezra is mad that this senator isn't 100% on the pro-Canadian side. Ezra then complains that some of our government revenue goes towards Huawei, which is problematic, sure, and that Canada trained China's military in the secrets of winter warfare, which is not true, thus not problematic. This just adds to another week to Ezra's never-ending China is bad narrative. Andrew Lawton is on to talk about how no one trusts the media. Ezra brings up that survey we discussed a few weeks ago about how trust in the media is low, and Lawton responds, Yeah, and, and whether or not that is true, that that perception exists is a problem that the mainstream media has. Which is a weird thing to say, considering that the survey was about people's perceptions of the media. So if the survey is not in fact true, why would the media need to contend with false perceptions? However, they speculate that trust in news is down because YouTube suspended Rebel News for a week for a video which Ezra describes as one of my more calm videos. It was a one of my calmer videos. I was actually feeling sort of slow and thoughtful and reflective. Like I wasn't, there was no ranting and raving. I was just saying, isn't that funny? They can censor Trump, they can censor you. You know, we live in a world where you don't even have the right to get primary information. Like, I was I was sort of sad in the video. Lawton also speculates that trust in the media is down because mainstream media organizations do not think that Tommy Robinson is a journalist. You know, I, I remember, and you and I talked about this briefly on, on my show this week, uh, the Andrew Lawton Show. I remember when I was in London for the Global Conference for Media Freedom, and I, I did a, an impromptu interview with the representative of, of Reporters Without Borders, or uh, Reporters Sans Frontier, I believe they're, they're called officially. And, you know, I was saying, you know, what are the issues you think are important? And we, we had a, a very pleasant chat. And then I said, you know, about, you know, three or four miles from here, Tommy Robinson is right now on trial for reporting and she instantly went from pleasant and civil to just very stone-faced and said well he's not a journalist mm -hmm. and, and this is the problem is is that when you talk about press freedom the media is more interested in defining the press part yeah. than they are in upholding the freedom part isn't that interesting tommy was the leader of a fascist organization called the english defense league and spent time in prison for illegally recording muslim defendants during court proceedings 
Given this information, trust in the media should increase the more people call Rebel and ex-Rebel employees like Tommy, not real journalists. Ezra wants to discuss a leaked plan of O'Toole's proposed climate change policy, which Ezra describes as a carbon tax. Ezra says that you can't be conservative and want a carbon tax. O'Toole accused McKay of lying, but it is true because today, in a scoop leaked by O'Toole to the CBC, O'Toole did announce his own conservative carbon tax plan. There's no such thing, of course. You can't be conservative if you support carbon tax. But it's not clear if this is coming from Ezra's libertarian taxes are bad part of the conservative brain, or that Ezra thinks denying the science surrounding anthropogenic climate change is inherently part of the conservative ideology or, or identity. O'Toole's plan is described by Ezra as worse than Trudeau's carbon tax, and compares it to corporate point schemes like air miles. Ezra claims, and it's probably true, that the point schemes of something like an air miles is to track consumer data, which is then sold to markets. Ezra then suggests that O'Toole's plan is somehow a scheme to collect data on Canadians and have that data stored on servers in China. Now, you know why air miles gives you points for scanning everything you buy, right? You know what they get out of that, right? You know why they give you free stuff, right? Because they track everything you buy right? Everything. They build up a huge database on you and everything you've ever bought. And they use that information to sell to you, to market to you, right? It's, it's like what Amazon or Facebook do. You're the product. There's a database. That's what Aaron O'Toole wants to do, except instead of a private invasion of privacy that you can opt into or out of that actually earns you stuff, he wants everyone to disclose what they buy to the government and then he's going to choose what you get to spend your loyalty points are. And, and this database is held by the trustworthy, neutral, nonpartisan, non-invasive, non-corrupt, non-hackable government. I bet it's actually going to be stored on the cloud in China. Aside from whether the plan would be effective at mitigating climate change, it probably won't. Ezra seems way more upset about this personal data stuff even though the government already stores a ton of personal information, like our social insurance numbers, our birth certificates, census data, and all the other fun stuff to effectively manage a society. Now that Rebel News has been demonetized by YouTube, Ezra has moved to Rumble as their primary video platform. Ezra reflects that his view counts on Rumble are comparable to YouTube's, but doesn't understand how that is possible. It isn't that surprising that their consistent YouTube viewer base transferred to this other platform to get their content. However, Ezra and guest Breitbart tech writer Alan Bokhari speculate that Rebel grew rapidly on Rumble because YouTube's algorithm had been suppressing Rebel for years. And I'm thinking, I wasn't particularly dazzling or more interesting yesterday. Maybe I just haven't been shadow banned or censored if literally the first time I go on a live stream on this alternative service, I have the same audience that I got on YouTube. Now, I don't know. It just strikes me as quite odd. We have 100 times more subscribers on YouTube than on Rumble, but I immediately had more viewers, as many viewers on Rumble. I don't know. I, I don't have an explanation for that. It just strikes me as very curious. Uh, it is curious, and I think there are a number of ways it can be explained. I've experienced the same thing, by the way. So I'm active on uh, both Twitter and Gab, which is a platform that's very similar to Twitter, but, you know, 
actually endorses free speech. And I'll frequently get more retweets and engagement and comments when I post on Gab than when I post on Twitter, even though my Gab account has, I think, like a third of the followers of my Twitter account. Uh, and I think this really is because of the algorithms and the way they behave. And that is the week. We got a bunch of random stories to go through, although they're all equally relevant, I guess. The first thing we're going to talk about is the Grace Life Church. This is the church where the pastor went to uh, jail for defying the COVID restrictions and who was then represented by John Carpe and other rebel-related individuals. He was let out of prison, finally, but in reaction to the fact that he was going to still refuse to obey the COVID restrictions, the government of Alberta basically set up a perimeter around the church like a fence so that they couldn't get into it. Sheila Gunn-Reed was on Alex Jones, and even Alex Jones was telling people to attend this uh, church as like a rally on the weekend. Well, and it's very disappointing to see some of the other pastors in the area say, well, why, why isn't this church making the same sacrifices that I am? There are so oh, they make it a sacrifice there. to not to be shut down. They make it a sacrifice to mm -hmm. traffic kids. They make it a sacrifice to submit. Those aren't real churches, and God knows it. it these other pastors, I mean, if they can reconcile These aren't pastors. Hearts, these are yes. World Council of Churches, Rockefeller pimps. Well, if they can reconcile with themselves and their congregations that they can be both obedient to the state and to God, that's fine. But this is a free country, and we still have freedom of religion, and they don't get to make those decisions. Well, I the predict they've life. shut that road down because thousands are massing. I, I feel it. I see it. I think there'll be 5,000 people tomorrow, 10,000 this weekend. I think they've jumped the shark. Call. You need to do it. Beautiful, beautiful soul. Tell people, Sheila Gunn-Reed, come peacefully now. Call them. Tell them. If people are going to come to support Grace Life, they welcome the support. But if you're coming, come peacefully um, and, and come respectfully. But they would appreciate your support. They need it now more than ever. They've, their church has been seized by the state. They need all the support and Obviously, they we want to be peaceful, but we need you to so then call them, say, help us, call them. We call for people I'm, to stand up for religious freedom. Absolutely. Uh, it's something that I've always done. I'm headed there right after I get off the air with you, Alex, and right. I'll be there on Sunday also. Right. We'll be right back. Let's do five more minutes. The first thing that Ezra sort of like goes off on, which was like a bit silly, is he's really, he brought this up last week, but I, I didn't really discuss it because I was just like, this is stupid. <laughs> but he mentioned it again. So I'm like, it's probably worth pointing out that he's saying this. Ezra keeps focusing on like one old timey law that's like never been used, which is that it's a crime to interrupt a church service. <laughs> and so this, I don't think this law has ever been enforced ever. It's just one of those things that remains on the books in our common law system. Right. But my guess is if that, if someone actually tried to bring this charge, it would likely get denied by the Supreme court of Canada. Would hope so. But the point is, he, he keeps bringing this up as if it's like a novel thing and that somehow these police, for uh, enforcing the mass mandates and by interrupting this church service, that therefore, the I guess the police are going to go to prison for interrupting a church service or should go to prison for this. And, you know, part of me is like, I don't have a dog in this fight, so... <laughs> You know, I, I, 
it's hard for me to suss out like where my sympathies lie here because I'm not really in favor of having police completely lock down this church and making it a rallying cry for far-right assholes. But I also don't think that it's cool to have a church that constantly flaunts these COVID restrictions, given that COVID is also ravaging Alberta right now. I think we should let everybody in and then build the fence around them. (laughs) They can have their cult compound. What if they get sick, though? Then do we have to offer them, like, medical assistance at then? We can throw it over the fence. We can throw it over the fence. <laughs> Just hucking ventilators over the fence. <laughs> Whatever the op- opposite of, like, seceding is, it's when the state says, no, you're independent now. We don't want you. <laughs> so we just give them uh, ventilator schematics and they have to build it themselves. <laughs> Yeah, we'll ship them, like, the aluminum and stuff, but, like, they have to pay for... And we'll, like, it'll have to be World Trade Organization rules on trade and, like, duties and imports and all that. Like, you know, it'll be pretty expensive for them, I gotta say. The other thing I want to hit here is there's a lot of moments, and and we can, like, dig into the hypocrisy bullshit. But it's it's just interesting because they've been really trying to, especially the last couple weeks, almost make make a amends with black lives matter in certain ways amends isn't the wrong word but like we even had spencer fernando last week saying that right-wing activists who are anti-mask activists can now sympathize with like the indigenous protesters and wetsuetan and stuff like this which is like a very weird take for them to be adopting now but they still haven't really like ezra or the rest of the rebel crew come out and explicitly say that they were wrong about the promotion of police aggression against marginalized communities, which they have definitely been in support of in the past. Yeah. But you'll just notice that some of the things that they say here, you could definitely apply to what some of these protests are receiving and which Ezra himself has criticized, but isn't criticizing it when it's applied to them. It's a hypocrisy take, but it's also interesting that they they aren't making these connections, right? So I'll just put it out there. He says... Well, the big showdown, of course, was the first Sunday following the militarization and the occupation of the church. What would happen? Would Pastor James Coates walk onto the property again and be arrested again as he was a couple of months ago? Would the church mums and kids walk on and perhaps be clubbed by the batons or, God forbid, worse. I mean, if you have dozens of armed policemen, heavily armed, with pistols and batons, and who knows what other weapons they brought in on their trucks, doesn't that suggest that you think you may need them? There's a scenario where you think you'll be shooting people. Why would you put dozens of RCMP with special weapons and tactics on a church if not for some use of them? Yeah, Ezra, why do cops have guns? You're right. We should take them away from all of them. I mean, this applies to everything, including traffic stops. Yeah. Why would a police officer have a gun at someone who was speeding if not to eventually use it? So it's like, maybe we should take guns away from police. But that's, of course, he doesn't go that far, right? And part of my thinking is what's going on through Ezra's mind is like, of course, these white Christian conservatives... They're the type of people that pose no threat. So why would the police bring guns to them? Where when it comes to like marginalized communities, oh yes, they're the the lawbreakers and the people we really need to bring guns to is probably how we would parse that. Yeah. 
and I don't think he could say that as easily without being explicitly racist. So yeah. he's probably just going to stay quiet on it. But then they move on to this notion of a secret church. So I guess because the police put a fence around the uh, Grace Life Church, the congregants have formed a secret church that oh meets uh, <laughs> that meets in ways so that the police can't find them. <laughs> yeah, all right, whatever. But then, <laughs> then Ezra goes. That is a very China thing. Yeah. That's a very Arabia thing. The fact that you have a secret underground church in Canada that is being held in secret to evade the secret police is something that I don't think most Canadians know is happening because the, the media party certainly isn't saying it. What does that mean? I don't know what that means other than it's clear that he just wants to be racist against Arabic people and the Chinese to say that only people in those countries suppress Christians. We here in Canada should never suppress Christians. Because what's happening, according to them, is Christian suppression. Like, oh my god, they interrupted a church service, they brought guns, and the church had to go underground? It's like we're living in China! Huh? You know? Like, yeah. what world do you live in where this is religious persecution? We'll, we'll get to it more, but they, they do ask, like, where are all the pastors? Where are all the other pastors standing up? And it's like, not once in this whole piece does Ezra stop and think, Oh, yeah, it's because there's a global pandemic happening right now. Yeah. That's why no one's on our side. That, like, never occurs to him. Throughout. Like, I know that it is occurring to him, but he's not going there because he realizes that that's, they don't believe in the pandemic. But it's like what undergirds this whole, like, Christian po prosecution narrative is this idea that there's a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> that's why no one's supporting these people other than fascist uh, assholes, you know. About the secret churches, though, Sheila does say this is like the early church going underground. But it also was very um, much a part of the early Christian church, that Christians scattered off to house churches and worshipped in secret and worshipped in caves. And what's happening here is actually the same thing that happened with the early church. When you force Christians to scatter and hide, what it does is it perpetuates the church. And it spreads the church. And because of what's happening to Grace Life, their congregation has never been more committed and has never been bigger. Maybe in the context of like, you know, first century Christianity. <laughs> yeah. You know, they could have whisper networks, but I don't think that's how the church grows in like uh, 2021. But all right, Sheila. When the church is a few thousand people spread throughout the Roman Empire then yeah, you know, and like isn't recognized as a religion by the Roman Empire and is therefore like, because they're considered atheists, like they're open to being executed by the state. Maybe that's a little bit different than people being like, hey, we're not doing group gatherings right now because it could kill people. Like, it's actually quite the opposite, you know? Like one is killing people, the other is attempting to save lives. Well, the weird thing is like the early church, like the purpose of spreading the word underground was a proselytization method because they couldn't do it out in the open. These people can proselytize out in the open. Their issue is that they're just not allowed to gather in prayer. So they're like hiding to prayer and then come out to proselytize. You know what I mean? It's not the same dynamic. Yeah. 
So there was this fence surrounding the church. And at one point, there were sort of like two groups or two crowds of people at the Grace Life Church. One crowd was the congregants at the church. And they sort of were promoting a nonviolent approach and didn't want to antagonize the fence. And you had more like, let's just say radicals who were more like pro-fence damage, but they were the more like hard-right militia types. Don't damage private property. Oh no. Ezra, when sort of like defending the people at this gathering and, and, and criticizing the police said, And what are you going to do if you got mums and kids pushing a fence down? I mean, and all you have are police with guns. Are you seriously going to shoot someone because a kid or a mum pushed a fence down? Like, like it implied you touch this and we will be deadly violent to you. Uh, what an absolute disgrace. I wonder what they would have done. I think they would have loved to have put a bullet into someone. Do you recall <laughs> any right-wing activists giving that defense to the Black Lives Matter people? No, it's like when it came to like Black Lives Matter people knocking down fences, this is lawlessness. lawlessness. They're destroying cities. Chaos is ensuing. But like... When right-wing protesters break down a fence, then it's like, oh, they're, they're, it's just civil disobedience. They're just protesting. Was it last week's episode or was it one of the streams that we did where he was talking about how BLM like killed dozens and destroyed cities or something? Like he literally did this like a week before all of this happened. Well, that was him playing a video from like January 7th. Right. The other thing that intrigues me here is you have these this one group of radicals and you have the church congregants. And the church congregants do not want people to touch the fence. Because people are finally waking up and unifying. And right when we start to wake up, we do something like this. This will be looked at as if the U.S. Capitol building. If we rip this thing down, we'll be no better than them. And you know how far back that'll push our cause? All we've done for nine months will be gone. Because some yahoos decide to rip down a fence makes no sense. You would think that the people showing up at this thing would be there in solidarity with the church. Since that's the whole reason this is happening. Yet they clearly like branched off from them and wanted to destroy the fence anyways. As like a form of sort of like civil disobedience. Both Sheila and Ezra refused to take a stance on that. And I find that very odd, considering that John Carpe, who legally is like connected with Rebel and legally represents his people, uh, is also involved in this. Like they have connections with the church people, and they have connections in, I guess, like assembling this massive. Like they went on to Alex Jones' show to basically promote people to show up at this thing. So it's like weird that they refuse to take a stance here. I watched your whole report, and you certainly emphasized that actual people affiliated with the church, they didn't want to tear down the fence. The tearing down of the fence was by people who came there for a political protest, but the folks at the church, they sort of said, well, look, we could have torn down that fence if we wanted to. Um, explain the two different camps, and I think I might be a little bit more belligerent on this than you, but why don't you explain the two different points of view that we're at that protest of nearly a thousand people on Sunday. Sure, and I don't even know where I sit on this. I, I might, depending on the day, be in the pull the fence down camp, 
but at the same time, it's also the church's facility and the, belongs to the congregation. So I guess, you know, you have to sort of follow their lead. I would think that given all their coverage and about like we should respect this church's right to all this stuff, would side with the church people about what happens on their private property. The issue is that the other people are rebels audience that are showing up. Like, yeah, like, you know, they're going to pretend to be pro the church, but ultimately they're pro their audience more than anything. So there's no way that they'll ever denounce something that their audience does unless they insult Ezra. And of course, they they end this like bit on the, the bit about the fence with saying to the police again, are you seriously going to shoot someone because they took down a fence? Which again, <laughs> all last year, all we heard was that like how evil these Black Lives Matter people are for doing similar things. And yet here it is that like Ezra is claiming that, oh, so what if these people were breaking the law? Doesn't mean that the police should harm them in any capacity. I mean, predictable, but just it's amazing how on the nose it is. Yeah. You wouldn't think it would be this blatant. No, it's it doesn't get the chance to be this explicitly the same situation. <laughs> at <often>. Exactly. <laughs> So then they end with a little bit of uh, Islamophobia. Of course, Ezra says no one would do this to a mosque, which I find ironic because this is something that predates your uh, co-hosting. But like back when we were starting, Ezra would not shut up about what he called Wahhabi mosques in Montreal and wanting to get rid of them. So when you're talking about like churches being shut down and him being like they would never do this to mosques this is something that ezra has advocated on his own fucking show hey ezra have you ever looked at what the entrance is to al-aqsa or the ibrahimi mosque in hebron look like you know the armed israeli guards questioning anybody who wants to go in and like the you know just like the huge and militarized fence around some of the like most sacred mosques in islam like hmm i took what he was saying to be canadian specific otherwise you you do make a good point which is that like this does happen i mean i wanted to bring up uh, as well i'm sure he would have been against these the so-called ground zero mosque which was a huge talking point back in the day as well if we're talking about canada then you can look at people who were probably radicalized by people like Ezra, perhaps a guy named Alexandre Bissonnette, and the Quebec City mosque shooting. Like, people are attempting to do much worse to mosques. But even if we're talking, if we want to focus on states, like the, the government and what the government does to mosques, like we mentioned on the show, like the government is listening in on mosques. There was even one of these Wahhabi mosques that uh, Ezra brings up. I think a few of the people have been arrested on terrorism because they were like being connected in some plot to, to blow up some mall in Arizona or something like this. I can't remember the exact details. But the point being is like these people are being surveilled and monitored. So it's it's not even like, even though those aren't like explicit fences, there's still a security state that's watching them. Yeah, and like they send infiltrators in to mosques across North America. Like, I don't know, it's just like so, it's such a stupid argument to make, like, 
with the post 9-11 like security state and the targeting of muslims like it's just pure islamophobia but that's that's what's happening at grace life church thankfully uh, i guess nothing more extreme than that broke out which was a worry that some people had so small good takeaway <laughs> and hopefully now people will forget about it and all will be well yeah hopefully rebel will be too busy with being arrested in montreal <laughs> exactly <laughs> To deal with whatever the fuck's going on in Alberta with a church. I was surprised that given their calls to like for people to show up and support this church thing, it was interesting to me that Ezra made the decision to go to Montreal that weekend for the anti-lockdown protest. And I think part of that was they I think they were expecting a bigger turnout in Montreal, so that's why Ezra went there. Although, of course, he did send Sheila to Alberta for that protest. So now we're going to talk about the arrests. Ezra, David Menzies, and Kian Bextie went to Montreal. Kian Bextie apparently has not been a Rebel employee since March, according to, to Kian, and we'll discuss that uh, a little later. But the three of them went, and Kian was there, I guess, in the form of an independent contractor. And what happened was they rented an Airbnb, which was also a boat, that they then took to the old port in Montreal. Police on Saturday morning showed up to the old port. I guess what happened was there was a lot of uh, their camera crew, them, and the police were like, this is a gathering of like over 20 people in one building where people are not wearing masks and therefore you're violating our mask mandate and like uh, our, our social distancing rules and all this stuff, right? Yeah. So they were trying to uh, gain access to the boat and deal with this fact that this violation was occurring. Ezra wants to frame this as the police were just trying to search the boat without a warrant. All they wanted to do was somehow, I guess, like get in there and find like, or like, I don't know if like the the final steps, Ezra's thinking they're going to plant things or like, I don't know, but it's like some, some reason the police wanted to search the boat. So maybe Ezra's just framing this as like an intimidation tactic or something. It just overall seems kind of like weird. Like, could it be that the cops were there to like, if they were, you know, fining people for violating the COVID restrictions, then I guess they needed to be there and like, figure out who they were fining and how many people there were to find that's the closest thing i can think of like why why go on the boat yeah i don't know fully either it does intrigue me but they they basically arrested kian and ezra right away and then almost released them right away that morning but then as the day progressed things got a bit more heated and at one point david menzies shoved a police officer Oh, oh, look at this, the affirmative action hire. Are you seeing Leon? Uh, hey, don't, don't touch her people. Go cover Menzies. Do not touch him. Oh, here comes Menzies. Do not touch him. Did you touch him? Why did you touch him? No, no, he drove into me. He drove into me. Are you hiding your name into me? Keep your distance. Hey, hey. Here are the thugs! Here are the thugs! Here come the thugs! Shame! 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 And the thing is, we've seen the video, and it won't it won't come across in the podcast because obviously this is an audio medium. But basically, David Menzies uh, 
is yelling at this woman cop. I think he refers to her as an affirmative action hire. Yeah. And then compares her to Celine Dion. And then he's towering over her without a mask. And she and another officer, who I think was named Officer Trudeau, they gently pushed David Menzies. And David Menzies gently pushes them back in response. Now, of course, there's laws and stuff. And I'm not saying that this is like an okay thing, but that is assaulting a police officer. And Menzies was arrested and has since been charged with assaulting a police. And that was the big event that happened in Montreal. Then I guess like what happened that evening was there was riots in Montreal and David Menzies was released just for before the, the riots and was able to cover that as well. So we'll talk about that in a second. There's a few things leading up to this, though, that Ezra wants to frame that sort of like the Montreal police had it out for them. And so he wants to frame that as the kind of narrative. And we'll get, some of it, I can kind of see where they're coming. Others, it's a bit more like, I don't know, this is sort of like ambiguous. But the first thing that he wants to state is, so like the reason why they're there is Montreal and Quebec has a curfew system. And I agree that the curfew system doesn't really make any sense for the COVID thing. It hasn't been clear to me why this would be a necessary policy. So I can understand why a lot of people are upset with this. That doesn't mean that I think that Ezra and them are right for being there. But their argument against the curfews seem only to be that curfews are for children. As you know, for months, we've had our reporter on the ground in Montreal, Yankee Pollock, going out at night to show you what the lockdown is like in that province when they have a curfew, seriously. Quebec, a province with adults as well as children, has a curfew for adults as well as children. It was at 8 o'clock, then it was extended to 9.30. Now it's brought back to 8 p.m. I don't know, maybe we shouldn't have curfews for children either. I don't, I don't know why this is a thing. I just, the framing of that is very funny. Like, are you talking about bedtime? I was thinking even, like, does he mean, like, hooligans out in the street, like, vandalizing in the middle of the night or something? I have no clue what he's talking about. We then get to an accusation that's been brought up before. I finally hunted down the footage. They accuse the Montreal police of calling Rebel News, uh, quote-unquote, reporters, the Jew media. And they started saying things that, I don't know, got my hackles up calling them Jew media. It was a refrain they used more than once. Take a look at this. There's two clips where this derives from. And one I think is innocuous, the other I think is a little bit more concerning. So the first one, Rebel has an employee named Yankee Pollock, and Yankee Pollock is indeed Jewish. That might be relevant uh, later, but we'll, we'll get to it. Yankee Pollock, Jewish reporter for Rebel News. In the first clip, Yankee was, was covering this synagogue in Montreal in a Jewish neighborhood that was being shut down much like the Grace Life Church is being shut down in Edmonton. And at one point, one of the police officers asks in a very casual voice, after a Yankee responds that uh, I'm with the, the media, she asks, are you with the Jewish media? Give me in my papers, no problem, just... Thank you. What? Who are you, sir? I'm with Rebel News. I'm not media Jewish. Who are you? What's your name? Now that seems like a weird question, and it might be a weird question, I don't know. But I looked it up, and there are Jewish newspapers that exist in that same area that cover Jewish news. So that's just Jewish media. Like, are you, you know, with a Jewish media outlet? 
Yes, so that one I leave on the, the more innocuous side. The other one is a bit of a mess, but I'll break it down. And here's the thing. I might side with uh, with at least Yankee on this one. At one point, Yankee Pollock is being uh, intimidated by the police, I guess you would say. They're telling him to move. He's not moving. This is actually the confusing part, because here's the thing. is Everyone's wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it's not like you can tell where the sound is coming from. But all you hear is a police officer, or I keep saying police officer. You hear a voice say, are you a Jew? I don't remember you. They, they then, like, highlight one police officer, and I guess they're trying to suggest that it was that police officer who made the, like, are you a Jew question. I don't, there's no way for me to assess that. It quite possibly came from that police officer. I mean, Yankee Pollock was there, so if anyone would have known where it came from, it probably would have been him. But, like, from my perspective, like, by watching the video, I have no clue other than their hint or suggestion. There's also a ton of noise going on, so like a lot of, there's some things that were said that are completely inaudible, so like I don't know. But all that being said, I think it is weird that if a police officer just asks asks that to someone who is Jewish. Yeah. And I wouldn't hold it past police officers to have very anti-Semitic positions. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't. Like, they're cops. It's that simple. (laughs) Which is why, it, like, it wouldn't be surprising to me. It's just, like, that one in particular, I'm like, okay, that makes... It, it, that one strikes me as a little bit more problematic. Uh, the first one is kind of more, like, I don't know, less... I didn't watch that situation in the first video and go, oh, that's worrying. And this one, I was like, that's a little bit worrying. Mm-hmm. I even I even got my uh, friend, who's way better at speaking French than I am because she lives in Montreal... <laughs> And is a francophone. <laughs> I got her to listen to the clip, and she's like, "Yeah, that was a bit weird." So, uh, I'll I'll take that as my doing my due diligence, <laughs> at least to some extent. So, uh, yeah. So there might be something to say there, but I also want to say this is the other part that annoys me. Ezra wants to make this out to be anti-Semitism towards Rebel News, as if the police are calling Rebel News Jew media. And yet the police had it in their mind that Rebel Media was Jew media, were the Jews, and were against them, and that was fair game for them to say those things. But nothing in what I watched had anything to do with Rebel News. It seems to me, if there is any prejudice, it's prejudice against Yankee Pollock specifically because he's Jewish. Does he wear, like, a kippah or anything like that? Or... I'm not sure. I have never seen because Yankee is always behind the camera. I don't oh, know okay. if there's any like obviously like obvious signifiers. There might be some stereotypes involved there. Either way, like I think that would be shitty if they're stereotyping Yankee. Although he does happen to be Jewish. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Yankee's an asshole. He works for Rebel News. I'm just saying I can be sympathetic if you're being racially profiled by the police, even if you happen to be a right-wing asshole, you know? Yeah. But it is weird that Ezra, like, rather than sympathizing with a colleague that's, like, being racially profiled, he, of course, has to make it about himself and make it some sort of, like, martyr narrative. Like, the Montreal police are anti-Semitic against Rebel News entirely, right? It just seems like a... And, and especially in light of the fact that Ezra is clearly trying to profit off of what's happening in Montreal. In fact, he created a sizzle reel with, like, dramatic footage and, like beating drums and intense music all to promote the idea of like we need you to donate now because we're fighting the corrupt montreal police but let me tell you what i told these thugs earlier today they asked me my name and i told them my name 
And I asked them their names and they told me their names. And I said, we are going to get to know you intimately because we are going to sue you forever. We are going to sue these thugs forever for assault, for false imprisonment, for abuse of office. And you know what else? For being a racist bunch of thugs. And why do I call them racist? Because again and again, when Montreal police accost our reporters, you know what they call us? Jew media. Are you a Jew, they say. These thugs, when they see us on the street, say, are you Jew media? Well, most of our reporters are not, but I am, sir. And I will see you in court for your bigotry. I will get to know them intimately because we are going to spend years together and I will see your wicked faces no matter what your masks are. My name is Ezra Levant and I work with dozens of independent journalists who don't take a dime of money from any government. And that is the reason why we can show you the police brutality. Thug, thug, come here. Coward, come here. Come on camera. You bigoted bully, come on camera. These cowards are pretty frickin' brave when the cameras aren't on, which is why they raided our Airbnb. But when the cameras are rolling, they run and hide, run and hide, coward. This raid on our journalists will not stand. If you want to help us fight back journalistically, if you want to help us fight back legally, go down to LockdownReports.com. That's LockdownReports.com. My name is Ezra Levand, and if you think I'm mad, I have only just begun. Gotta keep up the grift somehow. <laughs> They're not getting that YouTube money. But now, <laughs> Ezra wants to claim that the Montreal police are the most po corrupt police force in Canada. See, I honestly don't disagree with that one. To me, it's less about the factual circumstances here, and more how Ezra gets to that conclusion. And here's what Ezra did. Ezra typed in Montreal police corruption into Google and counted the number of hits he got and therefore conclu concluded that they're the most corrupt police force in America. Yes. Yes. <laughs> For a month, we've been a thorn in the side of what's become Canada's most notorious police force for corruption. Earlier today, we typed into Google those three words, Montreal police corruption. And just look at the endless, endless news stories. That's how all research should be done. Results on Google determine correctness. Not reading the results on Google, just the number. I want, like, I want to know because he openly states that. How many people listening to that go, that's your evidence that they're corrupt? Like, <laughs> you don't have an anecdote? Like, nothing? You didn't read any of these reports to see what the corrupt police officers did? It's just you used Google and saw a lot of hits. It's just going to be, like, bribes from construction companies. Like, come on. Yeah. That's all of Montreal. I think he, he wants to paint it out that somehow the Montreal police are being paid by Justin Trudeau to spy on them or some shit. Then we find out we're getting to the, the Menzies arrest portion of the Montreal scenario. And uh, <laughs> Ezra claims that the Menzies arrest was staged so that they could get a warrant. But they weren't getting what they wanted. They couldn't find a judge to give them a search warrant. We did nothing wrong. And then we wouldn't let them in. We did nothing wrong. So they decided to, I don't know. I know it sounds crazy to say it, but I think they decided to get a hostage. When it's like, 
No, it wasn't a, it wasn't staged. I mean, we watched the video. You can watch the video, and Menzies clearly pushes the police, and that's when they arrest him. <laughs> right? It's, it's kind of hard for it to be staged. Like, I guess, like, what they want to say is that the reason, like, the police pushed him to stage it, but then David Menzies was the one aggressively towering over them and being antagonistic, so... Where, like, I can almost imagine the opposite, which is that they staged it so that Menzies would get arrested so they could profit off of it. It's the grift. Like, they didn't need to go to Montreal to begin with. That's also part of the grift. Like They didn't need to have a boat. They didn't need to have it full of people without masks so that they would get searched. They didn't need to do any of this. Yeah. I really wish that boat had sunk. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been, been a great story. Ezra then claims, and this is a huge accusation, if true, and I don't believe that this is true or they would have obvious evidence that this occurs. Ezra claims that the police said they would give Menzies back to them if they agreed to have their boat searched. And then the police said to our lawyer who was on the scene, if you let us search the Airbnb without a search warrant, we'll let David go. And if you won't, we won't. They were literally using him as a bargaining chip. If David did something wrong, which of course he didn't, that's its own thing. But to use that to extort entrance into our Airbnb because no judge would give them a search warrant, that is truly outrageous. But that's how you roll in Canada's most corrupt police force. Which, like, is extortion. (laughs) You you have to have, like, good evidence to suggest that the police are doing that. I wonder if it's just that Ezra's French is really bad, but also, like, that is very funny if that did happen. Yeah, <laughs> but the thing is, the police searched the boat anyways without giving David Menzies back, so I don't, <laughs> I don't understand this. God. Now, I don't know if the police, like, found anything, but they used the, the Menzies arrest to eventually uh, search the boat, and they did. And then Ezra ends by saying uh, he wasn't arrested for doing anything wrong, but I do want to stipulate that David Menzies was charged with assaulting the police, and we'll have to face that charge. Is he allowed to leave Quebec while that's going on? I think so, because my guess is it'll be like a low-level assault. Like, it was a little shove. Yeah. And uh, there's amazing footage of when... It's so difficult, because, like, yes, I'm against police brutality, and this wasn't brutal, but there was a moment where David Menzies is like, I have two bad hips, (laughs) or I have two hip replacements. Can you please, like, not lean on me like this? And it's just like, David, you keep getting yourself into positions where you get arrested all the time, bud, and you got two fake hips? Like, this isn't safe for you. What are you doing? Take care of yourself, man. Just like, give it a rest. Quit retire it's time just incredible obviously we're going to support david every step of the way i feel terrible that he happens to be the one who gets the brunt of it so many times other police forces even that one time he was attacked by a dog i did also just remember that he bit through the police oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god 
I don't know if we can uh, roll that bit a little later, but my one act of uh, disobedience, uh, in addition to um, not uh, walking, they were dragging me, those uh, goons behind me, was when we went to the police caution tape. And I, I, I should, maybe I should be worried because this might result in another charge. Um, it went right into my face, so I bit it in half. <laughs> <laughs> I was like a rabid wolverine. <laughs> Menzies then compares his time in jail to the two Michaels in China and uh, Chris Skye being on the no-fly list. And all I could think of, uh, I thought of a couple of things. The two Michaels that have been there for all coming up for a thousand days. Yeah. I experienced a few hours that felt like an eternity. What? I don't know if these individuals will ever be the same. Mm-hmm. And I thought of Chris Skye on the no-fly list. And I thought about me in a jail for practicing journalism. And then I thought about Omar Khadr getting a $10.5 million check for practicing terrorism. Mm-hmm. Like, Ezra, the world's insane. Wasn't Omar Khadr literally in Guantanamo? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he was. Uh, but they will never forgive the fact that we gave him $10 million in compensation for the fact that we imprisoned a child. For likely, we don't even know if he actually uh, did the things that he's accused of doing. The evidence, I mean, I've looked at the evidence. I'm on the, I don't know. But at the same time, even though I don't know, he was 15. He was 15. And we sent him to be tortured in uh, Guantanamo. And by we, I mean uh, the Canadian government. He was detained at Guantanamo for 10 years. And you're talking, and Menzies is being like, Oh, you know, I was in jail for a day in Montreal. Yeah, but you see, in their minds, he's a terrorist and an evil person. And then our government gave him $10 million for no reason because of political correctness. That's kind of the bullshit argument that they're making. When it's like you're missing the whole point that this was a kid that our government sent to get tortured for 10 years. Yeah. It's uh, atrocious, and it's something that they they never let go. I'm actually surprised that we've had, like, two Omar Cotter mentions in the past, like, two weeks, and it's been a while. That's an old talking point that's coming back for some reason. Menzies then tells the story, and he's told it now in multiple places. I've watched a, a lot of David Menzies after this arrest, which is that he used to have respect for the Montreal police because they used to participate in Just for Laughs sketches. I just want to add one last thing. I've never had dealings with the Quebec Police Service, but I had a high opinion of them for one you know, reason, albeit a bizarre one, Sheila. I am a huge fan of Just for Laughs Gags, which is shot okay. in Montreal. It's a modern day candid camera. It's a great show. And the Montreal Police Service lends their police cruisers, it lends their uniforms to the comedians doing these elaborate pranks on the public. I'm telling you, Sheila, I could never seen a million years the Toronto police service or any other police service I know lending out their stuff. Cause you know, it's kind of your, you know, it's a tricky situation. You, you don't want to be, yeah. you know, in a position where you're tricking, cause this is not filming a movie where everyone's in on the gag folks. It's, it's tricking people into believing these comedians are actual cops. And I, but I used to think, wow, look at that. They're so easygoing. They're, they're, they like comedy too. And nothing could be further from the truth. I think, them lending their logos and cruisers and uniforms to the Just for Laughs Gags uh, production, Sheila, that's all about PR. That's a PR image they want to see, what they want the public to see. Because these guys, folks, in terms when it comes to the real policing with real people, it's less gags and more Gestapo. 
only now does he realize those were PR exercises? It's like, yeah, of course they were, David. What are you doing, David? (laughs) It's like they're, like, unaware of, like, unjust policing until it happens to them. And then all the things that they let slide that the police did that were bad, like running PR things to gain sympathy even though they're corrupt, maybe that always should have worried you, David. I don't know. Maybe he had a lot of time to think while he was in prison, so that's just where his mind went. Can't wait for Menti's prison memoirs to be released. So then David gets released and Ezra like meets him at the point when he gets released that immediately sends him back on the street to uh, cover the riots that break out. And of course, David Menzies narrative is that somehow the anti-mask protest was infiltrated by Black Bloc Antifa. Oh, is this the Black Bloc? The Antifa? They dress all black, all black yeah. and they have a mask and they, they try to... To yeah. Do shit. Yeah. They're the black block. Yeah. That and, and that has nothing to do with race. That's what they call them. They all dress in black. And I want to say the thing that's really silly about this narrative is like, of course, the anti-mask movement is not, especially in the Quebec context, is not like 100% uh, right wing or something like this. There's other elements in there. And so my guess is there was tons of. Uh, more anarchist elements in that crowd that then went on to uh, destroy some shop fronts. I think it's literally just that it's Montreal. That's how protests work. Like, I doubt that there were, was any, like, significant presence of left-wing or anarchist or any, like, you know, not weird right-wing protesters. It's just that, like, smashing windows in Montreal is, like, not as big of a deal as it is in English-speaking Canada. Like, it's just, it's kind of something that happens much more frequently in protests because Montreal and, like, French-speaking Canada, more generally even, have, like, a much more militant protest scene than we do. Like, if you look, same with, like, if you look at, like, protests in France, where, compared to protests, say, in England, where it's, like, French protests go the fuck off that's true i guess all that i'm just trying to like flag here is that like of course no one was like asking each individual person on the street what their political affiliation or ideology was you know and so it's like to me it's like there could have been dedicated anarchists out there destroying shop fronts like i have no fucking clue and like one of the evidence they use is one of the people had like an A, you know, the typical anarchist symbol, like spray painted on one of their like vests. And so this was evidence that it was, they were Antifa. They're probably just fans of Chris Nolan's Joker movie or (laughs) whichever Batman one the Joker was in. But it did remind me of January 6th in the sense that, you know, these right-wing grifters will like side with these movements, hype them up, Promote them to the point, like, just a couple weeks ago, Ezra was saying this is tyranny. Ezra was comparing what the police were doing and the fact that people are just obeying these lockdowns to the Holocaust, right? So you're comparing these with, like, huge atrocities. And then as soon as people, like, start acting out based on the, the shit you're peddling... That's when you try to walk it back and go, oh, no, we had we had nothing to do with this. This is not us at all. They realize they can't go on YouTube. They can't go on all these sites and be like, we're for violence. They can't do that else. They'll get, definitely get kicked off these platforms. I do think that they are probably like 
against violence and don't quite put together what their words lead to. And I, because I think that they would be infinitely more dangerous if they were that level of self-aware. If there were one day where they just decided like, oh yeah, by the way, guys, violence is good and cool now. That would be fucking terrifying just in terms of what their audience would do. I did say that this this ma- is like what makes it obvious who the grifters are and who aren't, right? Yeah. That like, it's clear that even if they were aware of what their actions lead to, they know that like once the violence starts, it hurts their grift. Mm-hmm. So they're constantly walking this line of terrifying people enough for the clicks, but not like trying to push them over that edge so that they engage in violence because then it like blows back on them. Whereas, as you said, the, the true believers will just be out about their violent rhetoric. But then... I'm not always, but largely, especially like, you know, the uh, far right neo-Nazi groups do get kind of isolated in terms of how people talk about them. Yeah. And so that would happen to them if they openly started advocating for the things that they subtly advocate on the show every week. Yeah, no, but like, again, like, I also don't think that they're fully like cognizant of what their words might lead to. You know, like, because then otherwise they could have that turning point when they felt like they had more power or whatever. But because they're purely in it for the grift and not for, like, any political purposes, it's kind of just, like, they'll say whatever, you know, continues to get them clicks and money, right? But then they won't ever, like, you know, they won't suddenly go mask off because the mask is all that they are. Like, they are just the grift. They are not there is no substance behind it type of thing. Yeah, you might be right. To me, it it almost doesn't matter, though. The only, like, way that I can see it mattering is kind of like that situation where they suddenly do go mask off and do kind of, like, start advocating for (laughs) something beyond, like, some actual political program that would presumably involve violence. Like, the second they start doing that, then it's kind of like, oh, fuck, like, this could be actually, like, really bad considering how integrated they are with the Canadian far right. But that's, like, that's why I, I wanted to bring up how they've treated Black Lives Matter and especially Indigenous activists in our own country. Because, and, and like, how their rhetoric is kind of, like, they're adopting similar language towards their own pushback from the police. But Ezra was, I mean, you know, of course, they're always walking this fine line. But, like, there was times during the rail blockades and the Wet'suwet'en... Invasion? Yes, invasion. There was times at that moment where Ezra was basically, like, so close up to that line. Where he was going, you know, I'm not for violence, but I can understand. And, like, I can see why people are reacting, even though I don't condone it, but I get it. Yeah. That reaches a level where it's like, you're getting really close to that line. Yeah, I think that was probably, like one of the closest moments that they've like gone and the thing is they probably started to walk it back once they realized that like this could harm them that's never come up as the thing that has hurt them in the world (laughs) yeah no that's pretty Uh, true i guess covid just kind of like distracted before they could figure out what it was that they wanted yeah, in an alternative world where COVID didn't didn't happen and those rail blockades continued at full force. I think if the rail blockades had continued, we'd be at Utopia right now. Yeah. <laughs> I just mean his rhetoric would have been terrifying. Yeah, maybe like 
you know, summer 2020 would have been pretty rough. But now, like where we are currently, nah, perfect world. Canada would be gone. The land would be back. Just like all of it done over. Hooray! We got two quick little stories to finish up on. Rebel was off of YouTube for a week. They got suspended. YouTube sent them a message saying that three of their videos violated stuff. And so all three of them were taking, taken down. But only one of them was the cause of their suspension. And it was the cause of their suspension because it violated uh, misinformation about the U.S. Uh, election. The other two videos, another one was about January 6th and misinformation around the election. But the what it said in the YouTube video is they're deleting it because it like walks that line and it was kind of neutral. But since they weren't really advocating that it was false, it didn't like, it wasn't enough that it got them a strike. The other video was a COVID denial type video where, or, or vaccine denial where they were claiming that there was fetuses in the vaccine or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't recall ever watching this video, so now I'm like, what the hell was this all about? So, but that that apparently got taken down as well, deleted off their channel. The video that got them taken down was like the day or two after the January 6th incident, and it was them responding to Facebook and Twitter kicking Donald Trump off their platforms. And in the video, he Ezra plays the clip of Donald Trump. Where Donald uh, on the day where Donald Trump basically says that it was a fraudulent election, but then tells his supporters to go home and tells them that he loves them and all that fun stuff. Now, the reason why this earned was sufficient enough for him to earn that strike and get them suspended for a week, Zuckerberg had a personal message that Ezra was reading, and in it, Zuckerberg had said that the video that Trump released was continuing to spread this misinformation about the election. And Ezra responded to Zuckerberg saying, But then Zuckerberg said this. His decision to use his platform to condone rather than condemn the actions of his supporters at the Capitol building has rightly disturbed people in the U.S. and around the world. We removed these statements yesterday because we judged that their effect and likely their intent would be to provoke further violence. But... But he didn't do that. I mean, that's what he said as a matter of record. Because of this, it's clear that in calling Zuckerberg a liar, you're saying that the contents of the Trump video are true. And therefore, you're giving credence to the election fraud allocations. And that apparently was enough to earn them a strike. I do want to say, it is surprising to me, well, not surprising that it remains up, because Dominion did send a, uh, a letter saying that they're not allowed to delete the video. They sent that to YouTube. Uh, but we do have a video online right now of Key and Bexty on Rebel News <laughs> claiming that Dominion voting systems rigged the election with George Soros because they both occupied the same building space in Toronto. And that video was still up and hasn't earned them a strike yet. And that it was the most clearest, explicit allegation of some sort of connection. Although it's likely going to lead them to get sued by Dominion voting systems. I wonder if YouTube is just letting Dominion handle that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I think that Dominion sent the letter to YouTube to prevent Ezra from deleting that video. So, uh, like, yeah, there there might be something going on there. But so, how does how, how does Ezra deal with this suspension? He wonders, like, I think all of us, which is like, why why is this coming out now? And part of me thinks that that's just because, you know, YouTube 
doesn't hire enough people to do appropriate moderation. So my guess is this just took a long time before it got to like some actual person's eyeballs on the video. But eventually it did, and they got kicked off. But Ezra wants to claim that this is a conspiracy that Trudeau is working with YouTube to kick them off before there's an election. I'm pretty sure this is just YouTube working with Trudeau to get a shutdown before the election. This crazy defense contractor report on us is the kind of thing that YouTube would probably use as an excuse. Of course. And after all, this is why Trudeau is paying for an American military contractor to spy on them. Oh, I forgot about this. Lastly, we have to make note that Kian is apparently leaving Rebel News. Now, it's kind of confusing his leaving because apparently he left early March, but he's still open. He's available in case Rebel wants to hire contractors. He'll, like, he'll be around. But otherwise, he's starting his own podcast. But he also, he released a sort of statement on Rebel, like the, the YouTube, saying that he was leaving. And it was like weirdly filmed on a bridge. And it was him just saying that he's starting his own thing, but he's, he'll be available for contracting or whatever. And then that was it. And I have to say, it was very odd to me that Ezra not once brings this up on the show the entire week. And you would think this colleague, who apparently, according to Kian in the video that they posted on Rebel News' YouTube, is leaving in, like, good terms, and who was just recently arrested in Montreal with them, <laughs> Ezra doesn't bring up this entire week. Maybe the only contract they booked with Kian was for Montreal. And so now Ezra is just cutting ties. And I don't, I don't know why he's cutting ties. I, I, like, I've tried to think any of it through, and I don't know what's happening. Because a lot of people have speculated that there's some sort of like legal concern of either January 6th. I think if it's a legal issue, it has more to do with the Dominion video that I talked about earlier. But I don't know. that. Like, It's not like letting Kian go somehow absolves Rebel of any legal concerns for hosting him in the first place to do this shit. And I'm sure if they try to throw Kian under the bus, they're going to have emails that, like, compromises Ezra to show that, like, he either directed Kian to do these pieces. But my hope is I never have to hear about Kian ever again. Puzzle boy. Lethbridge Overdose Prevention Society is still looking for funds. The Lethbridge uh, Overdose Prevention Society started uh, after the Alberta government cut all funding for the largest overdose prevention site in the country, basically just like overnight and completely gutted it. So it was a like former like government-run public utility that was inconsistent use and then when jason kenny got into power he was basically like they're doing drugs there and that's bad and uh, as a result um the former workers at the overdose uh the supervised consumption site basically decided to start a you know a non-official a non-publicly funded uh overdose prevention society uh so they're asking for donations uh to afford 
uh, naloxone syringes, uh, bag valve masks, wound care kits, and other medical items. If need be, the funds would also go towards legal representation because before the city of, Leth of Lethbridge was attempting to uh, sue one of the founders for hosting an event without a permit in a public park in winter of 2020. Um, they have a GoFundMe, and they also have a uh, website, which is just lops.ca, and they have a Get Involved page there that shares their GoFundMe, and also, um, if you are in the Lethbridge area, or, you know, Alberta, BC, and can get there and have stuff, they are accepting donations of material goods, such as non-perishable snacks, clothing, hand warmers, and uh, other harm reduction supplies. And they're also looking for volunteers as well. So if that is of interest to you or you have some spare cash sitting around, I would highly recommend trying to support them because they're currently um, a little under 10000 short of their $30,000 goal. So they still have quite a ways to go. And if you live in any downtown core, I would recommend learning how to give it and getting a naloxone kit. I know several people in our own city who have saved people who are uh, overdosing on the street. So yeah, it's always good to, to pick those up so you can help people out. I also want to end uh, the show on just one note, which is that the verdict came in of uh, the asshole who murdered uh, George Floyd. And, uh, yeah, I'm always of like two minds of these things, which is that I think we should celebrate the wins when we get them. And to some extent, I guess this is a win just in the just in the sense that one of these assholes was perceived to be guilty under the law, which is very rare. But at the same time, I, I don't wanna I don't wanna get caught up in the notion that this means that everything's fine, because the system is still fucked up. Justice is still fucked up, and this isn't justice. But uh, but it is kind of good in this one instance. So I guess uh, celebrate it while you can. And for those who are still protesting, uh, for all the other people who have still uh, suffered at the hands of the police, uh, continue to stay safe out there and uh, keep it up. If you support and you enjoy what you have heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we are doing, you can also find us on Twitter at imperial news with a Z. We have a private Facebook group called imperial news. We also have a discord set up and we'll be doing Twitch streams every Wednesday, every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 8 PM Eastern standard time. You can find all the links to our social media stuff in the show notes. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. No one ever emails us, but you could. You could email us a question. I might even answer it on the show. You never know. Give it a try. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatom.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And Kian Bextie, you're canceled. For life! Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.